Hello, and welcome to Folklore Fever. My name is Trevor Pullman, and together we're going to journey through stories that shape folklore from various parts of the world. Let's dig in. Nicole brought in some fresh popcorn as her parents sat on the couch. From the TV came the sounds of several small children singing happy birthday as grainy footage of a small girl blowing out six candles on a cake ran across the television screen. It was nice for Nicole to be home for spring break. While her roommates were celebrating in Mexico and the Caribbean, Nicole had instead come home to her small Ohio suburb that she grew up in. It had been almost two years since she had last visited from her university on the West Coast. As she had been going through some old things in the basement, Nicole came across a dusty camcorder and several tapes labeled with different events and dates. She had brought these up to her parents and they decided together that tonight they would have a film festival of all their old home movies. From her parents' wedding to her high school graduation, they planned to watch every video over the next couple days. As they watched the end of her sixth birthday party, Nicole watched as her six-year-old self ran over to a corner and began speaking animatedly to it. She asked her mother what the younger version of herself was doing in the video, to which her mom simply chuckled and said, You had an imaginary friend that you told everything to. You must have been reporting in on what you had gotten for your birthday. Nicole had no previous recollection of having an imaginary friend and asked her mom what else she knew about it. Her mom said that the imaginary friend's name had been Mr. Sniffles or Snuffles or maybe Stubbles, she wasn't sure. Her mother also thought that Nicole's friend had been an elephant with some sort of top hat. To Nicole, that just didn't sound right. After the home movie marathon had concluded for the evening, Nicole laid in her bed, staring at the dark ceiling in an attempt to recover any information she could recall on her childhood imaginary friend. As she pondered and pored over the idea of the memory for a few hours, she was able to recall a few details. Her mother was right. The friend had been named Mr. Snuffles, but she was slightly off on his physical description. He had been a taper in a top hat, not an elephant. It wasn't too much of a jump, seeing as tapers also have the prehensile trunk similar to an elephant's, but in miniature. Nicole wasn't sure why she picked a taper, as far as she knew, she had never seen one until she was an adult at a Zoo South America exhibit. There was so much of this portion of her childhood missing from her memories, and she couldn't place why. She remembered so much about her childhood, aside from this and whatever happened to her pet, Budgie. She assumed the bird must have gotten loose from its cage and flown away. Unable to sleep, Nicole got up and began to rewatch her sixth birthday party video to see if she could read her past self's mouth shape as she spoke to the wall to get an idea of what she was saying. As she sat alone in her parents' den, she watched the clip over and over. She clearly saw herself say, no, no, I can't. But most of what she said was indecipherable to her untrained eyes. After repeated attempts to read her childhood lips, Nicole turned off the television in frustration. She sat in the darkness trying to process her frustration when she heard the soft chirping of a bird. Thinking she had stayed up much later than she had thought, Nicole cursed to herself as she braced herself for a very long day as she went to see the sunrise. As she pulled back the curtain, however, it was still pitch black outside. It was still early enough that the streetlights had not come back on for the early morning commuters. There should be no birdsong at this hour. As the soft chirping occurred again, Nicole realized the sound was not coming from the large tree in her parents' front yard, but was instead echoing from the kitchen. Concerned that perhaps a bird had gotten stuck between the storm door and the interior door, Nicole followed the sound of the chirping. As she stepped into the kitchen, the sound of the bird halted mid-chirp. Nicole flipped on the lights, bracing herself for a flurry of wings, 
as the bird may become spooked. No flapping occurred, however. There was no sound, except the very soft buzzing of electricity flowing through the light bulb. Nicole did see evidence of the bird across the kitchen table, however, as several loose feathers lay scattered across it. The coloration was very familiar to her, and it seemed like her childhood was continuing to call out from beyond time. As she walked around the table, she spotted the creature and her heart began to pound in her chest. The small, pale green bird was sitting on the floor, and the small, heart-shaped white spot across the top of its head made it instantly stand out to Nicole. It was her childhood pet budgie, Morris. By this point, Morris would have to be almost 14, ancient in budgie terms. Nicole watched as Morris hopped around on the floor before fluttering up to the table and hopping around looking for food. Nicole, realizing that this was something she needed to document, ran back into the living room to grab her phone. Morris softly chirping and singing contentedly as he waited for her. Nicole grabbed her phone off the couch, wheeling around to run back into the kitchen as Morris's song faded from her earshot. When Nicole ran back into the kitchen, she gravely realized why Morris had stopped singing. He lay across the kitchen table, neck horribly elongated and obviously broken, as blood pooled around his beak. This was such emotional whiplash, as her beloved pet had so rapidly come back into her life and then had violently been ripped from it again. Nicole began sobbing as she looked for what could have been the cause of the tragic death. As she looked toward the darkened den, she could make out the outline of a stout person with something on their head. As she tried to get a better look at the figure to verify it was in fact an intruder and not a collection of things in the den at just the right angle, she began to hear a soft snuffling. Grabbing a knife from the nearby knife block, Nicole flipped on the hall light, illuminating the figure. It was a large, black and white animal standing on its hind legs like a person, like an anthropomorphic mix between a pig and an elephant. A large stovepipe hat sat on its head as its eyes bore into her, the snuffling noise continuing from its stubby trunk. M mr Snuffles? You can finally see me again, Mr. Snuffles replied in a surprisingly deep, almost menacing voice. All I had to do was remind you of all the good times we had together. Nicole asked the creature if he was the one who had brought Morris. The taper chortled in a disgustingly sinister way. No, no, dear. That stupid bird was simply trying to take you away from me again. Last time, I was much too kind to it, simply releasing it outside and hoping it would take the hint to just leave. Apparently, he didn't get it. So, this time I had to be more insistent. A piggy grin spread across the creature's face. Now nothing will keep us separated, Nikki. Nicole screamed as she realized what the creature had done. Memories began to flood back to her as to why she had chosen to forget her imaginary friend. He had been insanely jealous, going so far as to tell her that she should hurt her family and friends so that they could be together forever. Nicole ran at the taper, sticking her knife out in front of her, expecting the creature to be caught off guard. Instead, he just smiled and his eyes lit up as he began to grow larger and larger. Yes, he hissed. Now you do truly believe. As he grew larger, he grew more and more fierce looking. As he broke through the roof of the house, Nicole realized there was no way she could win. Our minds are a powerful thing. As far as we know, they are the only organ to name themselves. They are capable of abstract thought, the creative process, and advanced calculations. According to some, though, the human mind has the power to create not only art and equations, but sentient life. 
Within Vajrayana Buddhism, there is a belief that the human mind, when focused on a particular thought form, can impart some of its own energy to the thought, giving it life. This is not a passive existence either. The thought given life can think, create, and even question all on its own. In Tibetan Buddhism, the sentient idea is called a tulpa. The best way to describe this for someone that is unfamiliar with this theology is that it is similar to having an imaginary friend, but belief in it gives it strength and power. The more you believe in it, the more real it is, and the more it can influence the world around us. Originally, this was used within Tibetan Buddhism to personify fears so that one could overcome them. Tulpas can be created both accidentally or on purpose. There have been reports of focusing so deeply on the image and personality of a non-existent being that it is willed into being. Traditionally, these creatures have to be destroyed, as when they gain sentience, they're no longer tied to the will of their creator and can become malicious. Like any theological or philosophical movement, there are those that attempt to use this belief to its extreme. After several depictions in film and television, there have been those that take to internet forums intentionally trying to create a tulpa. Many of these are variations on licensed characters, such as cartoon characters, that are being used as imaginary friends for an older population than their target audience. The connection afforded by the internet led to those attempting to purposefully create or summon a tulpa, calling themselves tulpamancers. Interestingly, there's a very clear psychological profile that self-proclaimed tulpamancers often fall into. According to a report published by Bethel University, tulpamancers tend to be adolescent to young adult, urban, middle-class, Euro-American males. There's also a significantly higher tendency for these tulpamancers to exhibit ADD, ADHD, and autism than the general population. The article goes on to explain that essentially what is happening when a practitioner of tulpamancy attempts to create a tulpa they are purposefully engaging in behaviors that are associated with schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder. Many of these practitioners also self-identified themselves as feeling like they have social anxiety, and due to this, experience large amounts of loneliness. Surprisingly, almost 94% of those studied stated that their creation of a tulpa, which is clinically described as an intentional compartmentalization of the brain into multiple personalities, has actually helped their situation, be it from social anxiety or from ADHD. The problem is, however, that when a tulpa becomes strong enough, they are said to physically separate themselves from their creator. Within Tibetan Buddhism, this is sometimes compared to a mother giving birth, the child becoming a separate, unique being that will eventually no longer need the mother to survive on its own. If this is to be believed, is it possible that tulpamancers are setting themselves up to be physically separated from their tulpa at some point? Will this be a benign process, or will it play out similar to the chestburster scene from Alien? There are also several comparisons of tulpas to the Western concept of demons. The connection lies in their shared mythos that belief in them makes them stronger, and the more people that believe in the individual, the greater that power is. A demon no one has ever heard of likely will not have much power, but one named in Dante's Inferno, for example, might have a much higher capacity for chaos, simply because its name has been published and read by millions over centuries. The tulpa's strength may also come not only from the beliefs of an individual, but from the beliefs of many. If there's sort of a mass belief in a certain entity, the collective consciousness can will that being into existence. This theory has been applied to other fields within folklore, such as cryptozoology or the existence of ghosts. One theory is that a well-known monster or beast, say, for example, Bigfoot, 
may not exist temporally, but because so many people know what Bigfoot is, have highly held beliefs about its existence and what its reported behaviors are, we as the human species can will this creature to exist as a tulpa. This has been applied to ghost hunting. In the podcast Haunted Road, paranormal researcher Amy Bruning discusses the theory that some spirits may be created because we will them to exist. The concept is present in situations where many people report a specific spirit with specific behaviors, even if no record of that person being in the area in life exists. For example, if a spirit named Mary is said to haunt a house and is known for playing a certain record, making the smell of cigars appear, and whistle at night, those behaviors and evidence will be reported even by those who don't know the story of Mary. This is because the evidence for Mary is told and retold to so many people that it can will a spirit into being that checks all those boxes, even if there never was a Mary that lived in the house at any time. It is unclear how much of this is possible, as we don't know what the human mind is capable of. And if one human mind can, over time, will a creature into existing, how much more quickly could 10? 100? 1 million? More research needs to occur on just what we as the human race are capable of when it comes to sheer willpower. Because just as we willed ourselves to survive tragedy, build skyscrapers, and go to space, we continue to will ourselves to survive and thrive. Is it so out of the question to will a life form into being? That's up to you to believe. Thank you for listening to Folklore Fever. This episode was written and researched by me, Trevor Pullman. The opening theme is by Miyu. You can find more of his excellent work at thedarkpiano.com. If you would like to contact the podcast, please send an email to folklorefever at gmail.com. See you soon.